On today's episode, an update on Ukraine, Haley claps back, and some Alabama fallout. This is Next with Lex. Let's get it, baby. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, and welcome to episode 29 of Next with Lex. I am your host, Lex Luthor, and I read the news so you don't have to. We are blowing up everywhere, more listeners than ever, more people following on TikTok than ever, on Instagram than ever, so I must be doing something right, but I want to take the time really quick to do something. Allow myself to introduce myself. Really quick plug about what Next with Flex is. This is a podcast where I read the news. I try to present it to you in an intelligent, funny, and way that just reeks of common sense. So I take my common sense, I regurgitate the news back to you, and hopefully an entertaining way that keeps you informed and allows you to have a little bit of fun with it. So that's what we do. So thank you for following. Thank you for listening. And let's get into the lead story of the day. It did not take long for some fallout for the Alabama decision yesterday. Let's have a listen. Tonight, one of Alabama's largest hospitals hospitals stopping IVF fertility treatments in the wake of that unprecedented decision by the state Supreme Court. Alabama, the first state in the country to consider frozen embryos people. And now the University of Alabama at Birmingham Health System saying, we must evaluate the potential that our patients and our physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face punitive damages for following the standard of care for IVF treatments. During IVF, multiple embryos are typically frozen to improve families' chances of a successful pregnancy. Now, it could be a crime to destroy them. That's right, because embryos are human living beings. They pay their taxes on time every year. They contribute to our GDP, and they are just really contributing to the American way of life. These little fucking embryos. So we are living in a world where in Alabama, if you're a physician, you could possibly get criminally charged to destroy an embryo. So this hospital system in Birmingham, Alabama said, nope, we're not doing this anymore. So the University at Alabama at Birmingham Health System said it would continue retrieving eggs from women's ovaries, but it said it would halt the next step in the IVF process in which the eggs are then fertilized with sperm before being implanted into the uterus. That's because they don't know what to do with them. They have no idea what to do. Again, yesterday we went over the story. Alabama Supreme Court has ruled that an embryo is now a human being. So normally with IVF, you make a bunch of different embryos, you pick the best one, you implant it, hopefully it becomes a baby and everyone's happy. Well, you still have maybe four, five, six, seven, who knows how many other of these embryos because you're trying to make the most successful embryo. And now we don't know if we have to keep them in storage, That which by the way, the patient has to pay for for the rest of their lives. Or normally, as I would suggest, you just throw them in the trash, but you can't do that anymore because now that's killing a human being. Get the fuck out of here. In what world are we living in where common sense just isn't running the show? To make matters worse, Nikki Haley doubled down on the campaign trail. Nikki Haley in the past has supported the government being out of the patient room, out of that decision-making process when it comes to abortions and stuff like that. But she's doubled down and she says yes to her. It is an embryo. Let's have a listen. Tonight on the campaign trail, candidate Nikki Haley agreeing with the state court. Embryos to me are babies. When you talk about an embryo, you are talking about, to me, um, that's a life. 
Haley did not say what this could mean for Alabama families who are relying on IVF to conceive. I'll tell you what it is. It means you can't have a baby if you need IVF. And it's a lot of people that need IVF. I just had a conversation the other day with a friend and she's like, hey, everyone I know is doing IVF. So you better move the fuck out of Alabama if you want to have a kid or face the repercussions that you're going to have to A, pay to keep these frozen embryos frozen forever. Like, and what, what happens when you die? These embryos, we're just going to have volts of embryos lying around? This makes no sense. So not even a day after that this decision was released, we have a big hospital system in Alabama saying we're not doing IVF anymore. I promise you, as soon as one of these Supreme Court justices in Alabama has a family member that can't conceive a child and need IVF, attitudes will get changed. But until then, that is your update. We have Nikki Haley doubling down on the decision, saying it was a good idea. And you have a hospital system that says, you want to have a baby here? Sorry, sucks to suck. We're going to come back to Nikki Haley in a little bit. She's on the show a little bit more. But I want to move on to the Ukraine. It's been a while since we talked about the Yuki. I want to just give an update. We've talked about Ukraine in the sense of how Congress is trying to bundle together a southern border bill with Israel aid, with Ukraine aid. We talked about how Republicans are blocking those their own efforts to pass these bills because Donald Trump says, hey, I don't want you to pass it. He doesn't want President Biden to have any kind of victory on the campaign trail for the upcoming election. So Congress is kind of at a stalemate. While this happens, we just saw a major city in Ukraine fall over the weekend because they are running out of ammunition. I believe we talked about a couple of days ago how on average per day, Russia's firing 10,000 artillery shells and Ukraine's only able to fire 2,000. Doesn't take a mathematician to realize that those numbers are pretty uneven. And Warfare 101, you know, if you got more guns and you got more ammo, you're probably and more people, you're probably going to win. So that's what we're coming against. Now, Ukraine does have the superior technology when it comes to stuff that they get from the United States. So a new report says by spring, Ukraine faces a potentially catastrophic shortage of ammunition and air defenses that could effectively turn the tide of war and lend Russian President Vladimir Putin a significant advantage. Two U.S. officials described this timing being around late March as being a particularly crucial time for the fate of the Ukrainian troops if Congress does not pass a new aid bill. A third official said it's difficult to pinpoint exactly when the situation could be dire for Ukraine, but he's noting spring, summer sounds about right. This assessment comes nearly two years after Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and as support for Ukraine in Congress and the American public is fading. And it is. It's war fatigue. We kind of knew about this two years ago going in. Can Ukraine defend against Russia before support runs out? The once steady flow of cash and weapons from the U.S. totaling some $44 billion. $100 billion has mostly dried up. A separate $60 billion aid package requested by President Joe Biden and passed by the Senate is in limbo in the House, again, because Donald Trump does not want it to pass. The $44 billion in U.S. security assistance for Ukraine that we have already provided has supplied Kyiv with a long list of sophisticated weaponry, as I mentioned, including Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, Bradley and Stryker fighting vehicles, a Patriot air defense battery, advanced rocket launchers known as the HIMARS. Ooh, have you ever seen those babies in action? And 31 M1 Abrams tanks. The U.S. also is helping to train the first batch of Ukrainian pilots to fly F-16 fighter jets that have been donated by Denmark and the Netherlands. The same officials that mentioned that spring-summer is kind of that time frame that Ukraine could run out of critical ammunition say Ukraine urgently needs both small and large munitions, including the GPS-guided rockets that go into the HIMARS system. So it's great that you have these sophisticated long-range rocket vehicles, but if you don't have the ammunition to fire them, well, what's the point of having them? And then what was the point of us donating them? They're not cheap. 
Another concern is Ukraine's air defense capability, including supplies to protect the donated F-16 jets that are slated for deployment later on this year. Again, when you have F-16s, it's not just, oh, here's a jet, go fly it. You need to protect that jet, right? So the first thing the Russians are going to do when the Ukrainians get the F-16s is they're going to try to take the F-16s out of combat. I'm not a military strategist, but I've played Risk a couple times, you know what I mean? I know what I'm doing. I played Command and Conquer as a kid. You take out the enemy's air defenses first, you take out their air capabilities, you gain air, air superiority, and that helps you uh, win a war. So officials say the country needs the money still to build the infrastructure to support these fighter jets, including runways and hangars to store the jets. And while the U.S. is helping to train some pilots, described as one official as, quote, fewer than 10, there wouldn't be enough money to bring on more in the future without additional U.S. aid. And the F-16, look, it's not the F-35, it's not the Raptor, it's not our latest and greatest fighter jet, but believe you me, the F-16 is no laughing matter. More than capable of owning the Russians. I mean, have you ever seen Top Gun? Come on. I feel the need, the need for speed. So needless to say, we already invested all this money in Ukraine. The EU has invested all this money in Ukraine. Do we just cut bait and pray that Russia doesn't pull us into World War III? Or do we keep funding? Now, something we don't talk about is estimates for the Russian side. So I want to go over that. And this is kind of where I was getting to on this. So I want to bring you that update in Ukraine because we talk about Ukraine. We talk about funding for Ukraine on the U.S. side. But how about we talk about what's going on on the Russian side? Obviously, what I'm about to give you is all estimates. But the U.S. has estimated that Russia has spent up to $211 billion on military operations for the war. So $211 billion versus the $44 billion that we've supplied. I think we're winning that money battle there, huh? So they spent $211 billion on military operations in the war, and they've lost about $10 billion in arms sales. Again, Russia used to be the second largest arms supplier in the world. I believe China has overtaken them since then because countries just aren't buying between sanctions and just the fact that on the battlefield, people are seeing how Russia's stuff's doing versus the U.S. And U.S. arms sales, and I covered this, God, I think episode like five, six, seven, like way back when I first started this, U.S. arms sales have reached all-time highs. People are buying U.S. stuff at a rate that has never been seen before because our shit's the best, baby. Knock shit out of the water. And we knew this when the Ukraine invasion started and we were giving, and we're still giving Ukraine all of our old stuff. Like, we're literally giving them our table scraps and they're still beating Russia's shit. So imagine what happens when we deploy the real deal. Oh, and that includes stuff that you and I don't even know about. Let me tell you a little story. Well, you know something mean, Gene? I have a buddy that works for GE in a super secret division of GE. It's procurement and stuff like that for top secret projects. He has a laptop and I've seen the laptop that on it says this laptop must be wiped clean. Like the hard drive is wiped clean every single day. And that's pretty wild. So he can take it home with him. He can use it, but it has to be wiped before it leaves the premises. And a while ago, this, I mean, probably like God. Five, six years ago at this point, we're all sitting around having some beers. And at the time, people are talking about, oh, Russia, this Russian threat, and the Russia, blah, 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 blah. And he just sits back and he's sipping on his beer. He goes, you guys don't even know. He goes, we have shit that you don't can't even dream about. He goes, remember the Bin Laden helicopters that we used, the stealth helicopters? And after the, we only used them for that mission. He goes, we've had those for like 10 years. We just didn't need them because we there was never a situation where we wanted people to know we had it. So if we had those for 10 years and people at the time were like, holy shit, they have stealth helicopters. What the hell is that? That stealth Apaches? Imagine what we have in the year 2024, people. Look, 
when you and I use chat GPT to do shit, if you don't think the U.S. military has been using AI to create new shit for us for the past, I don't know, 10 years, you are sorely mistaken. Shit, the U.S. military used GPS 10 years before it was even made to the American public. All great innovations are start off as military things and then they privatize them later on. So Russia's losing $10 billion in arms sales a year. And that's in addition to their heavy casualties. Again, these are not solid numbers, but it's estimated that of the 360,000 Russian fighters available before the war began, some 315,000 of those fighters have been killed or wounded. For my mathematicians out there, that's 87 and a half percent. Then we round up in the Sleuther household. 88% of your original army has inflicted casualties. Now that's not death. Casualties also wounded in action. Okay. Let me make that clear. A separate estimate by the Defense Intelligence Agency. God, we have so many agencies. Bureaucracy at its finest. Concluded that Russia has lost some 2,200 tanks out of the 3,500 it had in stock before the war began. Now, has these losses crippled Russia? No. Again, Russia has been able to pull stuff out of their Soviet stockpile. They're kind of doing what we're doing, how we're giving our old stuff to Ukraine. They're using their old stuff in Ukraine and they're ramping up their military industrial complex as well. So they're now producing new tanks, new things. And that's something to be concerned about because they thought they were going to steamroll through Kiev. And the consequence to this is that they didn't, obviously. And now they're producing more modern weaponry. Again, is this on par with the United States stuff? Probably not, but hopefully we never find out. And finally, an analyst says Russia will be able to sustain its assault on Ukraine at its current attrition rates for at least another two to three years or maybe even longer. Again, don't put it past Russia to just start recruiting people for the front line and doing the old classic. Hey, Ivan, people in the front line get a gun. Everyone behind them just line up. And as soon as the person in front of you gets killed, you pick up their gun and start fighting. And once you get killed, the person behind you will pick up their gun and start fighting. That's old World War II stuff. And I wouldn't put it past Russia to start doing that shit again. The Ruskies are crazy. So that is your update on Ukraine and what's going on currently in Ukraine. It is at a critical point where if aid is not provided to the Ukraine from the United States, the Ukraine will most likely fall and it'll be done here in a couple months, guys and gals. So I promised everyone we would come back to Nikki Haley. So my next article is about Nikki Haley talking about the jabs that Donald Trump has been taking at her husband for serving overseas. It's a total BS thing. And the, mostly the reason I'm going over this is so I can clip it into a nice TikTok. So I had a guy this morning on, comment on one of my videos saying, please show me a clip of Trump saying something stupid. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's not hard to find, buddy. So I'm going to create this just for you. I forget what your username is. Lex Luthor is always right, and I will prove it to you right now. So former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, who is the second runner-up in the GOP nomination for presidency, is addressing former President Donald Trump's mocking jabs at her husband. Again, if you don't remember what he said, here it is. He's away. What happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? So he's saying, hey, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Obviously, one of his staffers never informed him that her husband's deployed over in Africa, serving in the armed forces. So he's in a deployment. He serves in the South Carolina National Guard. He's on a one-year deployment over in Africa. Trump has even doubled down on this. What happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? He doubled down on that saying, quote, I think he should come back home to help save her dying campaign. Kind of a dick move. So Haley fires back at that. Let's have a listen. Haley growing emotional, talking about her husband's deployment. I wish our children and I could see him tonight, but we can't. Haley today addressing Trump's comments. Pretty emotional. In an interview with ABC's Eva Pilgrim and defending military families like her own. I'm in that year-long prayer wanting him to come home safely, but so many military families go through this. He just doesn't get it that this is about something bigger than ourselves. He saw you sort of fight back against him when he mentioned your husband and his deployment. That really ticked you off. <laughs> I mean, look, I, it's, it's not 
personal for me and Michael. We can handle that. It's personal when you think of military families. They go through a lot. Don't make light of that. To me, veterans are off limits. Don't talk about them. Don't say anything because every freedom Donald Trump has is because of the men and women in our military. He's True. So he doesn't get it. He's never sacrificed. And she goes on to say that. Never known what it means to sacrifice for something other than yourself. There you go. And that's true. Like, has he sacrificed for anything at all? So I want to go back and I want to say, like, I think veterans should, like, when she's like, don't talk about them. I think she she definitely means that in like a negative connotation. Like, don't talk negative about our veterans, which absolutely you shouldn't. But I think veterans should be in the conversation for all presidential candidates. Like the fact that we have homeless veterans is insane to me. We are the richest and wealthiest country in the world with the highest paid military, the most professional volunteer military in the world. People volunteer to serve our armed forces and they come back from the Iraq war. They come back from Afghanistan. They come back from Syria. They go wherever they're fighting from and they have the potential to be homeless. Every veteran should be just given a house. You serve in our military, you should be given a house. There shouldn't be anything like that. So Trump says something stupid. Haley fires back at Trump for that as she should. For those who don't know, Haley met her husband when she was 17 years old. 17 years old. So she's known him for a long time. So you heard that clip of her getting emotional. Yeah. If I was her husband and I saw that, I'd be, I would. that would make me feel good. The fact that like my wife cares that much about me. So there's a little campaign update from Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Last little quick thing I want to go over, and it's a quick little bite, is on the immigration front. Again, Department of Homeland Security statistics estimate that roughly 10,000, oh, I wrote this down, I wrote this down, undocumented immigrants, undocumented, we're not allowed to say illegal. We get in trouble if we say that, apparently. Again, a lot of these people are just looking for a better life like our ancestors did. Not all of them are bad hombres. Not saying that there aren't any criminals coming over because I can guarantee you out of 10,000, there's probably one or two in there. But most of these people are good people. But the White House is considering executive action that would allow the president to effectively close the U.S. border to migrants crossing illegally. It's a maneuver very similar to what Donald Trump did in his sweeping immigration crackdown. And it's sure to invite fierce backlash amongst progressives, which... You know, the progressives are a whole nother story. Now, the White House has not commented on the matter, and it remains unclear how the proclamation, if it's executed, would be different from what was enacted during the Trump administration. But just in January alone, the U.S. Border Patrol reported more than 124,000 encounters happened along the southern border. That is a ton. The growing number of migrants has fueled tensions between federal and state officials who say they are overwhelmed by already stretched resources. Yes. And again, multiple bipartisan efforts in the Senate to get border security bills passed. The House, which has a very small majority by the Republican Party, has been blocking this, as I mentioned earlier, because President Trump, former President Trump, does not want that to pass. He does not want to give Biden a win. So it looks like Joe Biden's going to, going to resort to executive action. So that's something to keep an eye on. In cool news. An unmanned spacecraft is set to land on the moon today in the first U.S. lunar landing attempt since the Apollo era. The mission developed by NASA and Houston-based Intuitive Machines will aim to land the Odysseus spacecraft. What a name, Odysseus. The Odyssey, what a great book. So the Odysseus spacecraft is going to land near the lunar south pole at around 5.50 p.m. If successful, it would mark the first U.S. vehicle on the moon in more than 50 years. If it fails, it would become the third lunar lander to meet its demise on the lunar surface in less than a year. Only three other countries, China, India, and Japan, have reached the moon with robotic vehicles in the 21st century. So that's something to keep an eye on. I will be covering this on tomorrow's show, and I am super stoked about it. Today in history, in 1980, in one of the most dramatic upsets in Olympic history, on 
February 22nd of 1980, the underdog U.S. hockey team made up of college players defeats the four-time defending gold medal winning Soviet team at the Olympic Winter Games in Lake Placid, New York. The Soviet squad, previously regarded as the finest in the world, fell to the youthful American team 4-3 to before a frenzied crowd of over 10,000 spectators. That doesn't seem like a lot of people, does it? I go to Browns games with like 45,000 people. Two days later, the Americans defeated Finland 4-2 to clinch the hockey gold. This is a big deal. Remember, this is the height of the Cold War. USA versus Russia. This is all of Russia's professionals against our amateurs. And we beat you, just like we always have and always will, baby. All right. So you talk about Ukraine, talk about, you know, this is a pro-American podcast. You don't like it. I'm sorry. It's always going to be, baby. Some quick housekeeping. I'm letting everyone know that on Saturday, I am going down to visit my best friend down in Florida. I am trying to figure out a way to do all this remotely. It's going to be kind of a learn as I go thing. So the quality of the podcast probably will take a dip next week. It was, I still will be producing it. I still will be doing it, but I'm just giving everyone a little bit of warning in advance that I am learning on the fly. We'll try to improve it as we go, but I will be coming live from Swole Norma Studios. That's what I'm calling it. As I hang out with my best friend, Swole Normus. if you haven't checked him out, he's on Instagram as well. Huge following on there because that's my boy. Yo, you got some questions? Hit me up on all the socials at Lex Luthor. You can also email me at nextwithlexshow at gmail.com if you wish to opine. That's nextwithlexshow at gmail. And don't forget to follow the show wherever you get your podcast so you get your news from your boy, Lex Luthor, five days a week. Quick shout out to NyQuil. I feel much better today. Thank you for asking. Have a great day, everyone. Catch you tomorrow. Goose Magoose, Peace McGeese.